Are we having a party here? I don't know. Welcome to Polishing Profits. Join our three industry experts boasting 140 years of experience as they unlock building service contracting secrets that can revolutionize your business. Well, welcome to another episode of Polishing Profits. And we're in a dilemma this week. We're talking about planning and what do you say that hasn't been said? Uh, we can say that hasn't been done, which is probably 90% of it, but what can you say that hasn't been said that's going to be interesting? So what we decided to do to wrap up planning, the episode, uh, earlier episode on planning was just different challenges. It wasn't the same old stuff. So if you haven't had a chance, go back and look at polishing profits on that planning. Today, what we want to finish up with is rather than tell you something you already know and may or may not be doing, I won't point an accusatory finger here, is are your goals real and are they relevant and are they achievable? Now, some of that comes out as smart, some of it doesn't. But we were just talking uh, pre-roll before we started this and probably we have helped between ourselves and everybody else over the years, probably about 10,000 people in the planning process, ourselves and all the people we've coached, talked with. And one thing gets pretty clear to us. Many, and I don't have a percentage number, but a, a, a vast majority have unrealistic goals going into the next year. I've dealt with companies that are 50 million that have unrealistic goals. You go, Mark, what do you mean unrealistic goals? A goal is a goal. Well, no, it isn't. A goal has to be achievable. So how do you come up with what you want to do next year? So today we're just going to pass the mic around, as it were. Everybody's got one on their desk. But how did you come to the numbers and the things you want to achieve next year? And are they realistic? Because many people quit when they go to do it because it all of a sudden becomes unattainable. So I think with that said, Ed, are you ready to? Give us your thoughts on why goals are too big and they don't achieve them and they're unrealistic. I mean, that's yeah, yeah because all the Brian Tracy people and all the rest of these gurus are essentially selling voodoo and magic. And that's why I am always about, look, man, I don't do any voodoo or magic. You want voodoo and magic? Go talk to somebody else. I ain't got none. So the goal setting, okay, is it's affected by this magical thinking, you know? And you can't really uh, separate it. You know, I see it all the time. You know, just stay in the ring and blah, blah, blah. You know, and all this crap. You know what I mean? And it, it's magical thinking. And if you're not into magic and voodoo, you know, th then all of a sudden goals get real. You got me laughing because what you thought about, and I'm going to age myself here, but if anybody's ever seen the Rocky movies, that oh, yeah. doesn't happen when you're running your business. You don't go 15 rounds, can't see every limb in your body's broken, and you knock somebody out. That's fantasy. And there's a lot of that going on, and it does sell. And I think that, to me, I just had to laugh. I just remember the first Rocky, you know, beat to a pulp, and he went. It's a great story, but it doesn't happen in real life. And there is no voodoo magic. And, you know, I think, too, when we plan, all people tend to talk about scale growth. We're going to double. We're going to triple. My question is, how's your foundation, your money foundation, your operation foundation, the things that are going to support all that business you're going to bring in? And you ask those questions and you get this kind of deer in the headlight look. 
well, what do you mean? Are you prepared for growth? Do you have the money to finance bringing on another $2 million next year, or can you get it? And do you have a foundation to build on it? Because if you build the foundation while you're building the building, it's going to fall apart. There is no fast tracking and construction for building something without first laying the foundation. So that's a couple of my thoughts. Ed got me laughing on the Rocky thing. Sharon, how about you? What's yeah. what's going on in your, your head over there? We got unicorns over here. You got magic and voodoo <laughs> on your side. I hear a lot of of people when we sit down and do the budget planning, they'll say, oh no, I can add this, I can add that. And I know perfectly well, that's not gonna happen unless something drops out of the sky. And the chances of that are pretty slim. So I think one of the things we have to do we have to look at where we are, where we want to be, but what are the obstacles? What's going to get in my way? Is it going to be the financing for the payroll or the equipment? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be the staffing? If I can't get staff now to cover what I've got, how am I going to get staff to add all this extra money? And what am I doing for marketing and advertising? How am I going to get the new leads? What do I have in the pipeline now? What do I have on average in the pipeline? And how am I going to make that different? So getting to civics, drilling down, getting it down on paper, saying, this is what I have to do to make this happen. Is that realistic? Can I do that? And I get the same thing over the years. I've gotten people that were doing small to mid-sized buildings and locations and all of it. All of a sudden, they have a chance to get one of the gorilla accounts that Ed talks about, and they're totally unprepared when we talk about the money they're going to need and the staffing they're going to need. It's going to drown them and put them out of business. So those goals have to be so realistic and attainable. And you know, setting a budget and goals is like a living document. It's a living thing, and that should be reviewed every quarter and changed as you go. Maybe something happens and you get some opportunities and you can handle them. Then you change the budget and you, you move forward. So it has to be a living part of your business that you review and analyze. There's no unicorns. There's no wizards. There's no, uh, what did you call them, Ed? Not wizards. Uh, voodoo. voodoo and magic. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's no voodoo. <laughs> there's no voodoo. Until, yeah. you, until you get to West Palm. <laughs> I'm not going there. Um, I don't want to know the voodoo in West Palm. So, Ab, when you were looking, when you had your businesses or business, your most successful one, you were looking out over the next year. How did you determine how much you thought you could grow? What was, just share your thought process. What did you it, look at? It was based on last year. And what I wanted to know was, give me the numbers. And very simply, the numbers were, what did you bid? Okay, you're not going to sell anything if you haven't bid it yet. If there isn't a proposal on their desk, or in a file, it's impossible to sell anything, okay? Right. So what you do is you work backwards, okay? We spent X amount of hours on the phone to get this many proposals out, okay? We want to increase that. What we've got to do is we've got to increase it over here on the front end. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much the way we did it. And it worked out. It worked out really, really well. Sometimes it was exceeded when what always pushed us over the edge was some giant account. When it was a giant account, we weren't counting on that. We didn't yeah. know that was going to happen. So, Right. Yeah, then that may have been something you've worked at for two or three years, and it finally right. comes on the radar, and you have exactly. no idea what's coming on, but you're positioned 
to bid it and win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did much of the same thing. We would look at, well, what did we sell this year? What worked? How much did we grow this year? And we're not talking about companies going from 50,000 a month to 100,000. We're, we're talking about companies that are two to three million that are looking to, okay, how do we get this thing from two to three million to five to six? And mm-hmm. we do the same thing you did, Ed. We would look and say, what do we have coming up? And if what is what is first thing we looked at the end of the year, how many bids are out? We're going to get a decision Q1. And then we'd look, what's our close rate? Our close rate, depending on who was selling, was 35 to 43 percent of the deals right. we closed. Right. So we would know what was at chance of coming on. And then after that, we could look forward to the balance of the other nine months. Because like you said, Ed, if you have a bid, it, you're 60 days out from winning it. So mm-hmm. you're not going to see a dime of realized cash until April. Mm-hmm. And that's just cash to pay you to start up. And it's all fun. And yeah, you need a big, we used to call them stretch goals. You know, okay, well, if we can do this, we can do so much more. Can mm-hmm. we, you know, let's make the bigger goal. But I've sit with people can say, well, we're going to move this thing from three to five. My first question is, how are you going to do that? Well, sales. I go, how much business are you going to close Q1 next year? Oh, well, we've only got 20,000, 40,000 a month out. Well, you're in trouble. Reset the goal, rethink the goal, because we get discouraged. Goals have to be realistic. And the only thing we can look at is based on our prior year's performance. That has to be ground zero. Sharon? Well, I did a lot of the same, the same in analyzing and planning seeing what was in the pipe. But I also took a look at how the total company was trending in terms of percentage of growth. Uh, last year, am I moving along a 20% revenue increase? or uh, And is that realistic? Can I do better? And it, is it a stretch? I always put a little bit of a stretch in there, not unachievable, but right. I also, I always looked at how my current year I was in, how was that trending? And let's say 20% um, was down from the previous year, maybe. Who knows? Then is that 20% realistic for the coming year? Or do I need to bump it back up 25, 30%? So I worked on the mm-hmm. percentages a lot. And and that was, I worked pretty much all the financials I do are on percentages. That just tells me a really good story. So that that's we pretty much did the same thing. Well, one 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 thing I forgot to mention was I was real big on the externals because uh, you know I swear we think that the cleaning thing is like a closed system and it's not. Okay, it is affected by occupancy rates, mm-hmm. by things getting built. Okay, mm-hmm. there's external stuff. Okay, right. so my my best one was moving out of multi tenant and going into healthcare. I, we, I saw what was coming. And it took me a year and a half. It took me a year and a half, but after a year and a half, I had about half of all of my revenue came out of healthcare centers. Yeah, because of the externals, I I, I watched yeah. what was happening. They're building. Yeah. Listen, if they're building buildings in downtown that are empty because there's no tenants, it's not yeah. a good place to be. Not a good place. Okay, yeah. when it comes to the situations in the general economy, you got to put your thinking cap on. One thing is, uh, no matter what the economy does. Grocery stores are going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're going to eat, you know. I looked at an awful lot at the externals. Um, that was a regular practice. 
Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you're heavy into class A office space or multi-tenant buildings right now, you've got all kinds of looking at a SWOT analysis threats. People aren't coming back. They're getting rid of space. All this has to be planned and looked at because if you're heavy into those areas, you could be facing some decreases this year as people peel off space. Mm -hmm. As the Internet of Things gets busier and they understand how buildings are used, scope of work's going to change. And all that can directly affect our ability to grow because that side's shrinking. So are you in a side that's growing, to your point? Ed, we did the same thing in high tech and clean rooms. You know that because you did some consulting for us back in the day. And mm -hmm. we saw an opening. We had customers tell us and we moved into it just like you did. Mm -hmm. And I had one class A account. That was it. We were in manufacturing. We were in hotel, motel. Anything that was critical to the clients, the clientele of the customer, that they wanted to pay money to make sure it was done and done correctly. So we made a shift out of that as well. I liked your food processing uh, push. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so did I. That, that was great. <laughs> that was just brilliant. I got to tell you, because that was the only thing I ever walked out of. It was a fish processing plant. And I, got, I went in there and I thought, I can't do this. I could never do this. I could mm -hmm. never get it this clean. Well, yeah, you just I'm laughing because we had one. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's sanitation. It's a whole different world, but it's a world with higher margins, better wage rates. And if you can break into it and figure out how to do it, and there's competition in it. It's not competition free. I knew all the national competitors were. But again, even if you make 40% gross operating, you're making it on bigger dollars. These people get paid $20, $30 an hour plus in these plants. Well, 40% yeah. on $20 an hour is a heck of a, or 40% on $20 wage is a lot better than 40% on 15. It's because you're working on bigger numbers. So, and they treat you entirely differently. They have to have this. They have to pass USDA, FDA inspections in the morning. They had, they had, a, they had an office right inside the plant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, was, there was nobody walking in for an inspection. They never left. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they never left. And the other thing was, it was cleaner than any operating room I was ever in. I would have eaten off the floor in any part of that plant. It was just absolutely beautiful, yeah. immaculate. And it has to be because it's all under food safety rules yeah. and regulations. Yeah. So, But anyway, who are your customers? I, this is another good basin planning. Who are your best clients? I tell everybody, we'll do a little exercise. I do this in some of the seminars I do. We'll pull up all your accounts. I've got a spread of SIC codes, profit, revenue, and you put them all in a spreadsheet and you just start filtering them. And pretty soon you can see who's profitable, who isn't. If they're not, why not? And start looking at who are the best, who are my ideal customers? They call them avatars. They got a ton of names. But who are the people that I make the most money? I enjoy working with and are contributing the most to the company. And the ones that weren't had to get reworked. So, I mean, those are all things that are critical that you think about. The other thing you better be thinking about is who's on the chopping block next year? Right. Who's going who's out to bid? Who's, who's, who's going to be replaced? Off me? Yeah. Who's going to retire? Yeah, who's that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. Yes. That's who's huge. Yeah. Yeah, you put I some 30-year-old kid in there that's got to make a name for himself. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to be roasted. Yeah. And I think that yeah. all goes hand in hand with looking at your marketing and advertising. And who do you need to replace? Who do you need to target? Understanding where you're making the most money in your company and focusing on that and drive your marketing and 
sales efforts towards that industry. And also you want to diversify, but you want to really focus. But you have to know your numbers. You have to know who's giving you the bottom line. And I think on knowing those numbers parts, you have to go back and look at the year prior. Where are to your point, Sharon, where are you being successful? Those are more of the customers you want to call on. Right. Those are the people you want to focus on. And again, we never know when the axe is going to fall, pardon the pun, but a change of management. I mean, I remember we'd have people there that were 10 years and all of a sudden they're going. We had a whole program to manage that. But so you have to know who could go out. And the other thing you need to look at that people ignore, what was your churn rate last year? How many customers did you lose? How did you lose them? Why did you lose them? And if you lost them because supervision wasn't working or, or training was bad, chances are you're going to have the same churn number going into next year. You're exiting with this year. Yeah. And customers leave. And let's face it, customers leave because they don't like the service or they don't like the people. That's as simple as I can make. And you need to know what that churn rate is. Cutting your churn rate also increases your profit next year. So do you understand your churn rate? Do you understand why people have left your company? Do you know what in the relation to quality assurance, quality is built in, do you have the things in place? And why did you lose those customers? Because if you don't know why you lost them this year, you're standing mm -hmm. to repeat the same mistake next year. Mm -hmm. Ed, you're nodding over there. Other, well, What would you add? Just the one-to-one -one factor between the uh, company and the contact. Not their company, but the contact, okay? Because okay. everything goes through, through your contact. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I will never forget, we had a big account that left because the property manager, who I got along great with, he retired. Nothing, nothing, nothing to do, you know, nothing I could do about that. The other, the other thing was that it was important to make a distinction between accounts lost for our fault and accounts lost just, you know, in, in the course of business. Okay. Yeah. Companies get acquired, companies move, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons uh, outside of, you know, you missed that trash can. Well, yeah, there's a ton of reasons people get promoted. They pass, unfortunately, some of them pass on. There's a number of things that can go on that you have no control of if you're doing a SWOT analysis. Those are in the threats and you just don't know. And you have to look at those things. And if you're coming up for bid next year, you better factor in what are your retention rates. And that means when I talk retention, it isn't just keeping the client and the revenue. It's how many times have I survived a bid cycle? Mm -hmm. because we had clients 10, 15 years, and I would go through at least three to four cycles. Are mm -hmm. we prepared to go through the cycle of what's going out on the market next year? Because mm -hmm. that is a threat to loss of revenue. Loss of revenue means you got to replace it if you're going to make that goal you set at the, your exit goal the following year or following period. Yeah. So well, that's that's a, a, it's also a case of government contracts. I'm sorry, Sharon. No, 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 no. That's that's true. I was going to say it's your attrition rate. You should know that number because that's what you have to replace just to break even to keep where you were last year. Yep. So understanding what that looks like percentage wise or even dollar wise to your company 
you know you have to do that much just to maintain where you are. And that's not a growth piece. So I was wondering, Sharon, did, did your mother give you the middle name and numbers? You always come yeah. back to the numbers. It, it, <laughs> all roads it, lead it, to the doghouse, right? I know. <laughs> all roads it's, lead to the numbers. I mean, if you don't know them, it's like you have blinders on. You can't. Yeah, definitely. Well, that, was, that was the advantage of coming out of the corporate world. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's yes, where some of that came from. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, let's wrap this up. We're at the the end of where we like to keep this for the listening audience's tolerance and time restraints. The Scrub Down, a recap of what was covered on today's episode. Yep. Uh, any final thoughts on are my goals realistic? Are they relevant and are they achievable? And do I have some historic information and reason to believe I can do those next year? Short of a unicorn magicians, wizards, dragons, I could go on. Any closing thought from either of you? Um, my closing thought is put it on paper, whatever you decide to do. Look at your notes and decide, play with it, put it on a Word document, just get it down somewhere. So it's in writing and review it every quarter and mm -hmm. make changes as you go. I got a second what Sharon said. Because all of this is meaningless if it's not on paper. Right. Yep. You know, it's just, it's a daydream. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's on paper. Well, yeah, it's and a wish. Look at it. Yeah, look at it. Look at it every quarter. Put it on your calendar. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wishing is not an operational plan. No. Mm -hmm. No. I think I was sitting back in a meeting. We, used, we had board of advisors that used to work with, with our team. We had a board of advisors almost from the beginning, just different people. And I remember sitting there one year doing this whole thing we're talking about. I, I was going to put $2 million on. And one of the guys was pretty sharp, and he looked a lot older than I was. said, how are you going to do that? I said, well, sales. He said, what did you do this year? And I kind of, you know, well, about a third of that. And he said, so tear up the paper and start from a realistic point. He said, you're starting at the wrong point. You're assuming you can do something you've yet to do the last two years. And you don't have the foundation to do. And I think that was just good advice. So my parting thought is, can you do what you say you're going to do? And is there proof in your numbers? Is there proof in your organization that you can pull this off? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're back in Ed's camp of wizards, dragons, and Sharon's unicorns. Mm -hmm. Does that mean it isn't going to happen? No, blind hog finds an acorn. I found plenty of them. We all, everybody sitting in these chairs here got windfall account. The big ones came in. We didn't know it. But short of that, you know, luck is where opportunity and sweat make things happen. And I don't believe in luck. I believe in opportunity and sweat. And lucky people just work hard enough to be there when something's happening because timing's everything. So I think with that, I'm going to say adios. Guys, we'll see you next week. Uh, everybody yep. out there, have a good time. Take care. Bye.